Heavenly Father, I join with David in the Psalms where he prays, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Pray, Heavenly Father, you be with us now by your Holy Spirit. Please help me, Lord, to preach. Please help us all to hear your words. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we've been thinking about, it probably hasn't escaped your notice that today is the 31st of December, so it's New Year's Eve. Uh, and as we've been thinking about already, it often evokes a sort of mixed bag of feelings, doesn't it? Um, we reflect on what's happened in the year that's just gone, the joys and the sorrows that we've experienced, but it also gives the opportunity for a, a fresh start, making new plans, new resolutions. So there's a, there's a hope and anticipation in that as well. But as we sort of walk through these dying hours of 2023, what lies ahead can also evoke fear. It's shrouded in a sort of fog, isn't it? We can see in front of us the shadows and the shapes of the things that ought to happen, the things that we think will happen, but it's foggy. It might be that you've got something to look forward to this year. Have you got a holiday booked? Uh, do you start a new job? Have you got a moving date for your house? Are you looking forward to a significant birthday? Perhaps for you it's more anxiety-inducing. Are you heading closer to that deadline? Do you need to find a job this year? Is that dreaded consultant appointment looming in the distance? Does your mortgage need renewing? Does, like me, your roof still need repairing? Will your children be changing schools this year? Perhaps just the state of geopolitics and the things that might happen is just weighing you down as you look forward. This morning, those dates or those future moments are all just shadows and shapes. They are shrouded in a fog of uncertainty. And there's always that nervous tension when you're on the edge of something new, isn't there? That mixture of anticipation, inopportunity, hope and promise, along with that fear of the unknown. Now, there's no escaping the reality that this year, whatever it holds, will leave a mark on all of us in some way or another. So let me ask you a question. In the face of a new year, what are you trusting in? Or rather, who are you trusting in? However you answer that question in your hearts, our passage today gives us one to fix our eyes on as we take our first steps into a new year. Our passage today takes us to Jerusalem, to a time where there is a similar nervous tension in the air, that anticipation of being on the edge of something different, something new. Something is happening. There is something stirring. As we've covered a couple of times uh, over this Advent series, uh, the, the sort of context in, is in Israel is one of occupation and oppression. So the might of the Roman Empire has extended and includes now Israel, uh, a once proud nation, is now a vassal state of Rome, and they pay their taxes to Caesar. And Israel are also governed by the tyrannical, cruel, and barbaric Herod the Great, who was power-hungry and paranoid. And the state of true faith in Israel uh, was weak. There was a veneer of religion, but it was superficial. Israel had a solid track record of disobedience against God, leading to exile and now occupation. And to top it off in this context, 
There's also been about 400 years of apparent silence from God. No word from him since a prophet Malachi. There's been no sign of this promised Messiah they're waiting for. The one who would restore glory to Israel and unite and rule God's people. But in this bleak, depressing sort of drudgery of this context, something is stirring. God's spirit was at work. And as we've seen in, in recent weeks, he was at work in humble servants like Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, faithful believers in humble circumstances who God had begun to reveal his plans to. And God's spirit was also at work in a man called Simeon, who we meet here in Luke chapter 2. So before we look at Simeon's song, which we intend to do, and his prophecy, I just want to spend a little bit of time looking at Simeon the man. So look down at verse 25, got your Bibles open. Um, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. We don't learn a huge amount about Simeon here, but what we do see is heartwarming. He is a man filled with the Holy Spirit, who is righteous and devout, trusting in God's word and waiting for the consolation, or in other words, the comfort of Israel. Simeon knows his scriptures very well. He knows what the prophet Isaiah promised. He promised a coming prince of peace, one who would sit on David's throne and rule his people. He knew very well the promises of comfort throughout the book of Isaiah, particularly in chapter 40, the promise that the glory of the Lord would be revealed and that all people would see it. And so despite the apparent years of silence from God, Simeon has not grown weary waiting on God to fulfill his promise. We don't know how many years Simeon had waited, but we do know, if you look at verse 26, is that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon had received a special revelation from God's Holy Spirit that before he died, he would see the promised Messiah. And so with the hope in his heart that the Messiah was coming soon, as a watchman, he waited. So let this be our first encouragement from our passage this morning. Simeon was a believer who was content to wait. He was a watchman. Who knows whether he'd waited and watched for decades, we're not told. Nevertheless, he stayed faithful. He walked with God uprightly while he waited and trusting in God's promises. Brothers and sisters, are you growing weary in your walk with the Lord? Are you feeling the mileage in your legs the many years you've been waiting on God? Perhaps it's that constant tension of being the only Christian in your family or in your workplace. Perhaps the years of giving your hard-earned money to support the church or other Christian causes. Years of seemingly unanswered prayer. 
tired of serving in the same ways with little thanks or acknowledgement? Do you sometimes look at your non-believing friends, family, neighbours, perhaps social media influencers or celebrities, and do you envy them? They are lovely people, living for the here and now and seemingly loving it. Are you sometimes tempted to pack it all in and walk away from the faith? Life would feel so much more straightforward if you did that. That may well be how some of you feel today. It may well be how all of us feel at one time or another. There is nothing new under the sun. That temptation would have been there for Simeon too. But we have the benefit here of seeing how it ended for him. So for our encouragement, let's keep reading. Look down at verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon was moved by the Spirit. God was pleased to use a faithful, humble servant like Simeon. And he worked providentially in his life. He moved him, perhaps by circumstances or perhaps by direct prompting, to be in the temple courts at the exact moment this young married couple, Mary and Joseph, uh, attended to present a ritual sacrifice, according to the law of Leviticus 12, uh, a a sacrifice of purification following childbirth. He was there right at that moment they walked in. And in their arms was a baby. Jesus. You can imagine that Simeon's heart started to race. While the Spirit somehow he recognizes this baby as being God's promised Messiah. And no doubt with tears streaming down his face, his voice choked with emotion, he takes Jesus up in his arms, looks into his face, and praises God. Brothers and sisters, do not grow weary. Be patient and keep on waiting. The Lord will keep his promises. Be like Simeon, keep on trusting and obey him. And he will lead you by his spirit in truly amazing ways. And one day you too will see Jesus face to face. And within one minute of being in the presence of Jesus, you will not regret a single moment of obedience waiting for him. You will only wish you could have given him so much more. And so at that pivotal moment in his life, what is it that Simeon says? Well, we'll see. He sings a short song, verse 29 to 32. And then after that, he utters a short prophecy, verse 34 to 35. I just want to make two observations this morning from what he says. The first observation is this. Jesus reveals God's salvation. Jesus reveals God's salvation. Uh, This November was the 20th anniversary of England winning uh, the Rugby World Cup back in 2003. You may remember it. It was a great sporting moment. Uh, In the final match of the World Cup final, Johnny Wilkinson delivered a drop kick in the dying seconds of the match, uh, which, which... you know, secured the triumph of winning the World Cup. And he was celebrated. It was a euphoric moment, celebrated by the nation, a man at the peak of his game, 
winning the most coveted prize in rugby. But years later, listen to what he says about that time. I'll quote him now. By that point, I ticked off every goal I'd set myself. That final was my Hollywood ending. I walked into the sunset after that game. The credits came up, and the next morning I woke up and could not have felt more empty. He sank into a depression, and that is a tragic thing. When you reach the pinnacle of what this world can offer you, success, money, fame, time, holidays, the reality is there will always be an emptiness to it. It will never be able to satisfy you. Let's compare and contrast that to what Simeon says in verse 29. Look at verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon, in a similar way, has achieved his life objective. He has been a faithful watchman. He's patiently lived a righteous and devout life, waiting for the Messiah, and now he's just seen him and held him in his arms. He pronounces a song of blessing over him, and then his life's work is done. But instead of emptiness, what does he find? He finds peace. He's ready to die, to be dismissed by God with a heart filled with joy, peace, and hope. And why? Because his eyes have seen Jesus, God's salvation. Jesus and salvation are inseparable. Jesus technically hasn't even achieved salvation yet. He hasn't grown up. He hasn't died upon a cross. He hasn't resurrected from the grave. But it doesn't matter. It is as good as done. Jesus is here and nothing will stand in his way. Jesus simply is salvation. Friends, have your eyes seen Jesus? Are you ready to be dismissed in peace? Are you ready, like Simeon, to die knowing that you are saved, knowing that your salvation is in Jesus? Your eyes, like many around this world, might be elsewhere <laughs> this morning, captivated by work, relationships, money, houses, reputation, popularity. And you might find some temporary pleasure in these things, but you will never find peace or eternal salvation in any of them. Only Jesus reveals God's salvation. And the song goes on. That salvation is universal and on offer to all. Look with me down to verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. As I mentioned earlier, Simeon knows his scriptures well. His song, like the others we've seen in his Advent series, are just dripping in Old Testament promises. In particular, the themes of the prophet Isaiah feature heavily in Simeon's words. 
and verse 31 and 32 draw out uh, God's promises in Isaiah. I'm just going to read to you a couple of verses from Isaiah 52 and just see if you can spot the similarities uh, between uh, what Simeon says and what Isaiah says. If you, if you want to look it up, you can. It's Isaiah 52, starting at verse 8. But I read it out. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout with joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. So all the nations, all the ends of the earth, will see Jesus, God's salvation. This isn't just an idea that Simeon made up. It has always been God's plan to reach the nations. As we've seen that in, in Isaiah 52, the Jew and the Gentile to bring the ends of the earth together under one king, the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the glory of Israel. He is the promised Messiah, the promised king from David's line. But he's also, in verse 32, the light of revelation to the Gentiles. In other words, the rest of the world. And he calls people to himself from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Jesus, many years later, will give his disciples and followers the great commission to go to the ends of the earth, preaching the gospel and building his church. So let's let the start of this new year be an opportunity to consider our obedience to that commission. If we truly believe these words of Simeon, that Jesus is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and we can have confidence that Jesus will be that light as promised to our unbelieving friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, regardless of their background, their race, their culture, their religion. He, he will be that light, that salvation to all those across the, across the oceans, as we prayed already this morning, different nations, different people groups. Let us consider and assess how we speak how we act, how we pray, how we give, how we support our brothers and sisters who labour in the mission field, reaching the nations with the gospel. Perhaps this year the Lord may be prompting you to speak or act with someone, maybe prompting you to serve him in a new way this year by the power of his spirit. That's my first observation. Jesus reveals God's salvation. And my second and final observation is this. Jesus reveals our hearts. Jesus reveals our hearts. I don't know what your uh, Christmas lunch conversations were like on Monday. The old saying goes, in polite conversation, it is best to avoid discussing politics, religion, sex, or money. And why? Well, because these topics are ones that either embarrass people or quickly divide a room. Well, topics that divide people are quite easy to come by these days, aren't they? Um, perhaps just a couple of minutes on social media will teach us that. But division is not a new issue. It is prophesied by Simeon here in these verses 33 to 35. And I'll read them out to you. 
Uh, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon moves from a prophetic song into a prophetic warning here. And I hope that you've seen over our Advent series so far, uh, the songs we've looked at uh, from Mary, Zechariah and the angels, they've been triumphant in their theme, haven't they? Joyful, hopeful, and for uniquely good reason. They're celebrating, centering in on the birth of Jesus Christ. But this prophecy is the first hint in Luke that not all will be easy, not all will go well. To travel the road with Jesus will not be a smooth one. There is trouble ahead. In Jesus, uh, Simeon can see, yes, he can see salvation. Ahead of Jesus, he can see glory, light, the rising of many people, yes. But he can also see suffering, division, the falling of many, and people's hatred of him. Listen again to verse 34. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. And again, that isn't a new idea. Simeon knows the scriptures well. As we saw earlier, he knows what the prophet Isaiah says about the coming Messiah. And we get similar hints that the Messiah will cause division in several places through the book of Isaiah. And one of them in particular is chapter 8. It says in there that the Messiah will be to some a sanctuary, to be a sanctuary, but to others he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Many of them will stumble, they will fall and be broken, Isaiah says. Back in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, Jesus, Simeon prophesies here, is destined to divide people. They will fall or they will rise before him. First, he will divide Israel, the Jewish people. And then, as we've seen, his reach will be global. The nations, he will divide the Gentiles too. But what does it mean to fall and rise before Jesus? Well, to fall before him is to reject him to reject his salvation, to die in your sins, unforgiven, and to face Jesus as your judge, to face a consequence of your sin, and hear those chilling words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25. I'll read them to you. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. That's what it is to fall. What is it to rise? To rise is to believe in him, to put your trust in him, to confess your sins before him and receive forgiveness. To rise is to be made a new creation, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to be declared righteous, to receive every spiritual blessing in him and ultimately receive eternal life with Jesus forever. 
34 also tells us that Jesus is to be a sign that will be spoken against. And it takes very little time for that prophecy to come true. At the very start of Jesus' public ministry in Luke chapter 4, which is a couple of pages time, um, people are trying to kill him. They try and throw him off a cliff in Luke 4. But Simeon said that, didn't he? He said, he will be a sign that will be spoken against. Now we could spend hours going through the gospel accounts in the book of Acts um, to see examples of how Jesus was rejected, hated, spoken against, and ultimately crucified. And not only Jesus, but the apostles and all the believers through history who has followed him and taken a gospel to the nations. Opposition, rejection, persecution, and for some, martyrdom. So believer, do not be surprised if you face opposition this year. If you're spoken against, if you're misrepresented or lied about because you're a follower of Jesus, there is a cost to following him. And Simeon prepares Mary for that cost at the end of verse 35, doesn't he? And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary will watch Jesus grow up from a baby to a man and suffer rejection, hatred, and in 30 years' time or so, watch him die upon a cross. Yes, there will be great joy for Mary and for all who follow Jesus, but there is also pain to come. Jesus divides. Jesus evokes strong reaction. Why? Because he reveals our hearts. Look down again to verse 35. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Jesus is like a litmus test. I don't know if you remember your chemistry lessons at school, um, but the litmus test, I think, was a way of testing the acidity or alkalinity of a solution. Um, so you would dip the litmus paper into it and you would lift it out and it would change colour depending on whether it's acid or alkaline. Um, you can't tell by looking at the, the, the bottle of solution what it was. When you dip the paper in, it reveals its true nature. Jesus is like the litmus test for our own hearts. And it's simple. Ask you a question, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? However you would answer that question reveals your heart. It reveals the condition and eternal destiny of your soul. Whether you will fall or rise before him, Jesus reveals our hearts. So this morning, perhaps you're, you're sat there and you're, someone, you're thinking, you know, 2023, it was a bit of a nightmare for me. It felt chaotic. I've mucked up, but I do love Jesus. I have confessed my sins to him. I do believe he died to forgive me. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I don't feel like I do a very good job, but I am repenting. I am following him. I do trust him. Well, if that's you, then be encouraged. Because you will rise with him. Keep going, and you will see him at work in your life. And you will one day rise with him in glory. And just to finish, if you're, if you're truly not sure how you would answer that question, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Please don't let this year end 
without calling on him. Confess your sins before him and receive forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus alone reveals God's salvation and Jesus alone reveals our hearts. At the close of one year, at the dawn of another, look no further than Jesus for peace. Amen. Just pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you. You've given your Son who reveals salvation. Thank you that Jesus is salvation. Please help us to lift our eyes and look at him and know peace and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>